Thanks for joining us for today's message. We're always encouraged to hear about how God is using Adventure Church to speak and work in your life. If you've got a story you'd like to share, please do so on adventurechurch.tv slash mystory. Also, if you'd like to support Adventure Church financially, you can do that online and help us bring messages just like this one to you each and every week. Now let's prepare our hearts to hear a word from God. All right, so we've been in the series Remain, and uh, just to kind of recap the first couple weeks, the first week we talked about the importance of obviously remaining in Christ out of John 15, where Jesus said that I am the vine, you are the branches, that you remain in me and I will remain in you. If you want to get a modern day translation of this, it would be Jesus is the outlet and you are the iPhone cord charger, right? You know what I mean? Like you're the branch of the outlet into your phone. And if you don't plug your phone in every night, it's going to die, right? And so if you want to be charged up, ready to take on your day, Jesus is saying, you got to remain in me. And when you remain in me, I will remain in you and you will bear much fruit. And he said, apart from me, you can do nothing. So staying connected to Christ produces fruit in our life and being disconnected from him produces nothing. And we kind of talk through what that looks like to remain in him and communicate with him and be connected through his word and through prayer. And and then he tells us that we are to remain in him by doing what he says in following his commands. In John 15, he says, now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. And so the next few weeks, we're going to talk about what does Jesus tell us to do when it relates to the church and being involved and and the values that he has for us and being obedient to his life. And so that was week one. And then last week, Jake did a great job. Didn't Jake do an awesome job last week? Can you guys give it up for Jake? He did an awesome job. It's just great to see him growing in his gift. And I've known Jake since he was like 16 years old. And so it's pretty cool for me. It's kind of a proud moment when I see him up here and seeing the feedback that you guys gave him. And I was giving him props this week that he was getting more podcast plays than I usually get. And so it was a good thing. Not that we compete or anything like that. I'm just saying. But Jake preached last week out of Psalm uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. But we're going to be in verse 2. And he said, But those who delight remain in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all that they do. So Jake talked about how to remain in Christ, that we got to be planted by the river. Because the temptation is to taste the rain and to try to find things that are going to fill us up and satisfy us. And he says, so when you plant by the river, you don't have to chase the rain. And when we remain in Christ, he calls us to be planted somewhere. And we believe that is the local church and that God established his church through his disciples and and Christ came and laid the foundation and the disciples went out and built the church and there is a purpose for you to be connected in community and planted in the local church and when we do that we'll produce fruit. And so today as we move on to part three, I've titled this message In and Through and this is the main idea, is that when we think about the river and being planted close to the river so that the river can flow to us, that you were created and designed for more than that, that the river wasn't meant just to flow in you but it was meant to flow through you. And today I'm gonna prove to you the importance of why it's so important that we are not only being filled up, but pouring ourselves out. And so today I wanna open with this very irrational idea when you consider the current world and culture that we live in, and it is this, that as long as you are all about you, you will never be fulfilled. Look at your neighbor right now and say, it's not about you. Man, some of these, some of you, uh, some of the wives were really loud uh, in that. Now, now look back at them and say, but it's not about me either. 
but it's not about me. Listen, here's the deal, and I'm going to prove to you why, and I'm going to prove this statement to you, but you cannot fulfill you. You can't do it. No matter how hard you try, if you are the source of what's trying to fill you up, you will never be fulfilled. If you were able to get yourself exactly the way that you want yourself to be, right? So let's think about all those people that we look at and we go, if I had their money, because we don't want to just be one person. We want the best of a bunch of different people, don't we, right? So if I had their money, that house, that job, this, that, and if I could put all this together and kind of create this profile of a person, man, then I would be happy. I would be fulfilled. I would be who I want to be. And if you were able to get yourself exactly the way that you would picture yourself to be, you still wouldn't be enough. You still wouldn't be fulfilled. Here's what we have to realize is that culture says this. It says, acquire, consume, right? Consume and acquire what you can and be fulfilled. But I'm gonna tell you today, you cannot acquire, consume, or exercise your way to fulfillment. And I know that's kind of hard, like, January, right? You've all set resolutions that probably wrap, kind of in, include some of these things. You know, I want to get the promotion. I want to do this. I want to grow here. I want to get more money in the bank. And I'm, none of those things are bad. But I'm telling you today is that they will never fulfill you. They will never completely satisfy you. So here's the idea that's just so irrational in the world we live in. You cannot acquire, consume, or exercise your way to fulfillment. And that's what the world says to do. It says, man, this, this is what will fill you up. This is what will satisfy. But you can serve and volunteer your way to fulfillment. I'm going to prove it to you. Not just with the word of God, but there is a proven connection, scientifically proven connection between fulfillment and selflessness. And you can Google this. Go online, Google this. Just the connection between fulfillment, happiness, in selflessness. There was research done by the University of Chicago, and this study exists that listed out the most fulfilling careers and jobs, the most fulfilling, not the most influence, the most power, the most money, the most satisfying, the most fulfilling jobs, and the top three were this. First one, caring for others. People who worked in a career that involved caring for other people, nurses, doctors, caregivers, taking care of other people, fulfilling job. Teaching others, teaching others, investing in those. All the teachers said amen, right? Definitely not the highest paid. Caring for others, teaching for others, and then the third one was protecting others. So what's that key word there? Others, others, others. Caring, teaching, protecting. That those were the people, study University of Chicago did, that found the most fulfilling careers and jobs. In the UK, They took 40 different studies over a 20-year period connected to this idea of volunteering and how it affects your health and your fulfillment, your health and happiness. This is what they found, that people who had a consistent way of volunteering, of giving themselves away, serving, had less depression, heart disease, less stress, and less drug use. And then they said with teenagers, so parents, listen up, you got teenagers. It said those teenagers that were volunteering or serving somewhere had less drug use and less unplanned pregnancies and were like 90% more likely to, to volunteer and serve as an adult if they do it as a teenager. So parents, I know what you're thinking. Look, 
even volunteering with a bad attitude still yields positive results. So you make them serve. You make them. Jake shared some great stories last week about how his parents pushed him to remain, how his parents pushed him to be plugged in. And when we do that, it yields positive results. The study also showed that, that the people were better off psychologically, physically, they had better self-esteem, they lived longer, and their quality of life were better. People who served and volunteered on a consistent basis. Then there was an article that was found that it said the, the top five cancer-fighting strategies. Think about what that would be. One of the five was volunteering and mentoring. Cancer-fighting strategies. Clinical research shows that volunteering and mentoring increases your ability to fight disease. You can Google it if you don't believe me. You go, well, how is that possible? Because my natural inclination, and probably yours too, the natural inclination is to acquire and consume, right? That's what we want to do. If I can get this, if I can consume, if I can look my best, then I will be fulfilled and happy. But one of the best things that you can do for yourself is to do for someone else. One of the best things that you can do for you is to not do so much for you. But that's not the world we live in. And you go, well, how can emptying myself out leave me more full? How can pouring myself out be so replenishing? It doesn't make sense. And that's why most people don't do it. But one of the best things you can do for you is to quit doing so much to you. Now, I'm going to explain to you why. And here's the first thing. You were created by your creator to serve. It's a divine design. You were divinely designed by God, and you were designed that you would serve. That the river wouldn't just come to you, but that it would go through you. Ephesians 2, 10 says this. For we are God's handiwork. Another translation says you are God's masterpiece. Isn't that pretty cool? That the Bible describes us as, as the creator God, this artist, this creator, and as he's creating you and me, that he considers us to be masterpieces, that there's no one human alike in the world, that you have a specific DNA, that the creator himself wired you together, created you. The Bible says while you were being formed, before you were even a thought in your parents' mind, that God knew you and he had plans for you. He says, so you're God's handiwork. You were created in Christ. That's awesome. And we could get really like, man, God made me. Aren't I cool? You know, isn't that sweet? But then he says this, what were you created for? God created you in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. So think about God, the divine design. He's creating us. He's putting us together. And he's going, and I'm creating you to function in a way that would be serving, and I've prepared for you the good works, the things, the opportunities that I want you to serve in. It's like designing a car, right? The car was designed to move, to be driven. And they say with cars, one of the worst things you can do for them is let them sit and do nothing. 
They rot out. That the best thing you can do for a car is to drive the car. And it's the same way in our lives. You were created, you were wired and made to serve. Throw up a pic of the Dead Sea. This is over in the Holy Land. I would love to go there someday. It's on my bucket list. So if you would like to fulfill one of my bucket list items, I would happily take a ticket over there anytime. Uh, And so, I'm just kidding, you don't have to do that. But this is a pic of the Dead Sea. Does anybody in here know, don't shout it out, but just give me a, a, a nod or you know why the Dead Sea is dead. It's dead. There is no living thing in the Dead Sea. There's no life in it. Does anybody, does it, some people know why? Because here's the deal. This is interesting. It's dead because water comes into it from the Jordan River, but there's no way for water to get out. And so it's dead. It's completely dead. In fact, the, the water is actually receding. It's, they're pumping thousands of gallons of water into the Dead Sea because the water's actually just evaporating. There's water coming in, no water going out. And it's the same way with our lives. If water just always comes in and doesn't have a way out, it's not the way that we were created to live. But why is this so hard to do? You see, because selfishness comes naturally, but it was not a part of God's design for you. Selfishness is the result of brokenness, that we live in a broken world, that sin entered the picture And the Bible says that sin always separates, separates us. It separates us from God's plan. It separates us from his design. It separates us into our own self-centered worlds is what sin does. It separates. And we know that the, the answer to sin was Jesus, right? That Jesus bridged the gap and his grace and mercy is new every day that enables us to have a connection with our creator again, to know him and know his plan. But sin isolates me from you, you from me. It puts the focus on me and it says, spend all of your time and resources on you and you will be fulfilled. That's what sin says. In Galatians, we looked at this scripture in the first week of this series. In Galatians 5, Paul contrasts these two different lives, these two different ways of living. In Galatians 5, 19 through 21, He says before this, he says, and and I'm going to list all this stuff out for you, but he says, but you guys already know all of this. You know these things. He says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness wild parties, and other sins like these. And he says, those who live this way are, are on a path that is leading to death. You see, these are the acts of the flesh. This is the acts of the sinful nature, which is natural to us because of the broken world we live in. And Paul is saying, if you just go with your natural impulses, if you just follow your natural inclinations, this is what you're gonna get. This is, the, this is the fruit that will be evident in your life. And the problem with this way of living is, is not only is it detrimental to you, it's detrimental to the people around you. You see, this pleasure, pleasuring yourself, the pleasures of the flesh always come at someone else's expense. Someone else will always pay the price for your bad choices 
for your sin, for your selfishness. You know, I love this time of year, not just because it's a new year and there's new things, but I love this time of year. Do you want to know why? Girl Scout cookies are for sale again. It's a, it's a wonderful time of year, right? Thankfully, we have some Girl Scouts in our church, and their parents are working very hard to sell all the cookies for them. So this week, Jess and I, Jess is like, hey, so-and-so sent us a deal. You want to get some Girl Scout cookies? And we're on this get fit plan right now, you know? And so I said, yeah, you know what? You know, we're not, this year we're not just going to get fit. We're going to stay fit. It's, it's, it's a commitment. It's a lifestyle change. And we're really sticking to it so far so good. And I said, but you know what? You know, we're, we're going to cheat and indulge a little bit. I said, so just get some boxes and we'll, we'll freeze them up. And I was like, I'll take three Samoas, three Thin Mints, throw in a peanut butter just for good measure because, you know, I might be craving a little peanut butter. But I, how many of you know when it comes, to, especially those Samoas, oh my gosh, they're just so good. I'm getting hungry right now. Uh, that you can't just have one of those, right? There's just no way. It's not possible. If you have enough strength in you to just have one of those when the whole box is in front of you, I don't know, you got some kind of supernatural power that I don't have. And so you can't just have one or two or three, you know, before you know it, the whole right side of that sleeve is gone and you're like, oh my gosh. So then you stop yourself and you're like, I'm gonna put these in the fridge. You know, I put mine in the freezer, man, they're really good frozen. But then like two hours later, I'm like, well, that other side is still waiting in there. You know, so I come back and I do it. And so I could eat a whole box of cookies. And then when the next year comes around, I don't go, oh, I had a box last year. You know what? I'm good. I don't need any more. That appetite is never fully satisfied. I'll always want more Samoa cookies. There's just no way around it. And that's what Paul's saying about the acts of the flesh. Those are, we talked about that before, that, that sin, sinful desires are like appetites. They're never fully satisfied. They're never fully fulfilled. And so what happens is, and why this is such a terrible way to live, is that when we indulge the flesh, it's a frustration because you go, I keep trying to acquire, and then when I acquire, I think I'm going to be fulfilled, and then I'm not. I keep trying to consume, and I get the pay raise, and I reach this level of success at my business, and, and it, when I get it, I'm still empty because you weren't created to consume. You were created to serve. And if you constantly are trying to fill yourself up with this stuff, Paul's saying, man, it's destructive to you. It's destructive to those around you. And you will always be frustrated and unfulfilled because you can't fill you. And those appetites are never fully satisfied. It'll last for a while. Sin will pleasure you for a season. But when it's over, When the high wears off, when the relationship doesn't work out, you come right back to where you were. And so that's this whole series that plays into one another. And we're going, look, the only river that fully satisfies is remaining in Jesus, is discovering his plan for your life, connecting with your creator, the one who made you. But when you connect with him, realizing that he created you to do good works, that he designed you to operate in serving, in volunteering, in giving yourself away. Selflessness satisfies no one. Serving, however, satisfies everyone. It satisfies you, it satisfies those that you're pouring yourself into, and it satisfies your creator because he created you to be that way. 
And when we operate the way God created us to operate, he finds pleasure in that. It's my kid. He's doing what I told him to do. He's gonna be fulfilled. This is the path. Proverbs 11 lays it out for us. This is the wisdom literature, verses 24 through 25. It says, give freely and become more wealthy. How many of you ever seen that on a commercial? Right? Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy, lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. What he's saying here is, look, you will be most filled up or, let's say, fulfilled when you pour yourself out. Well, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Let me explain it to you. I was going to have three things of water up here. It's going to be really hard, so just be visual with me, okay? If God, the river, is running to you, he's filling your life, right? He's filling you. And he says, now, when you pour yourself out, but if he fills you up, you can only hold so much, right? Until you pour yourself out again. And then when you empty yourself out, God fills you back up. And the process keeps going. God pours into me, I pour into them. God comes back, pours into me, I pour into them. And he's saying, that's what, that's what satisfies. That's what's fulfilling. That's how those who refresh others, those who give themselves away, will actually be refreshed. Because the river is going to keep flowing through you. You're most filled up when you pour yourself out. And fulfilled people find a way to give their life away. And you probably know people like that. You got more money than them. You got a better job than them. But they seem happier than you. They don't have nearly as much. But they found a way to be content. They found a way to give themselves away. So then Paul again contrasts the acts of the flesh and then the fruit of the spirit. And we talked about this when we remain in Christ and Jesus The spirit is in us, and it says, and the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It says, and against these things, there is no law. Think about like, you remember that movie Pleasantville, or or, was it Pleasantville, or the, it was like the black and white movie, I can't remember what it's called, but it was like the ideal place to live. Nobody ever did anybody wrong. And then all of a sudden, like, color comes into the world and everybody freaks out. I don't remember what movie it was called. Maybe it was Pleasantville. Maybe that was a Superman show. I don't even know. But this idea of, like, this ideal society, that's what Paul's saying here. He goes, when you're operating in the spirit and you have self-control and you have love and peace and patience and joy in your life, you don't need laws. It'd be like you had a traffic light, Right? You'd always wave the other person through. Come on in, you know, yielding in the trap. There's no laws. There's no need for laws because we're operating in this ideal way, the way that God has created us. And, and when, when it's not all about you and me and we decide to pursue not just, and we, we decide not to pursue our sinful desires and you remain in Christ, he's saying you'll be fulfilled. And this is the type of fruit that satisfies the starving appetite that you have for fulfillment. Because at the end of the day, isn't that all what we really want? We wanna feel fulfilled. We wanna feel complete. 
And the problem is, is that our world is trying to fill us up with stuff that doesn't work. And he's saying, if you live in this type of life and if you're giving of yourself, he goes, you will be satisfied because this was the environment that you were designed, the divine design to operate in, to live in, joyful, peaceful, patient, faithful, self-controlled. And the reason when we list out those fruits of the Spirit, why it sounds so satisfying and fulfilling and it's what our hearts long for is because that's what God put in your heart to long for. That's what he desires for you. Think about how much more fulfilled you would be and those around you would be if the fruit of the Spirit were the characteristics of our lives. So Paul invites us into this selfless way of living and so contradicts the world we live in. And Before he lists that out, he goes on and before he lists out the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.13, he says, for you've been called to live in freedom, brothers and sisters, He's talking to believers, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. In other words, don't use your freedom just to do what you want to do. Your natural inclination will always be to do what you want to do. He says, don't do that. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. He said, for the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. He said, man, that's the, that's the path to fulfillment. That's what you're longing for. And you have to serve your way there. You know, when I think about this and the motivation we have today, we've talked scientifically, proven research, spiritually, the word of God, how it challenges us to live in this way. But if we're, you're here and maybe you haven't committed to follow Jesus yet, but maybe you, you, you're, you are and you're saying, man, I'm committed to following after Jesus. We are most like Jesus when we serve. Right? Mark 10, 45. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom. Look at that word ransom. He paid a price that he shouldn't have had to pay, that he was God in the flesh, and God came to earth because sin had separated us from him. And God longed to be with his creation again. Ever since the day that sin entered the garden, God was longing to be reunited with his people. And he reunited himself to us when he sent Jesus. And when Jesus shows up in that manger, as he begins to live his 33 years for the first time, in thousands of years, God was walking, connected to his creation again. He created you. You're his masterpiece and Jesus connects us back to the Father. And yet that God who paid that price, who deserves all of our worship, who deserves everything that we could ever give him, says, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve and to give my life. And Jesus throughout scripture showed that by example, gave us a path to follow him. And if the science isn't enough to prove that you need to be giving of yourself away, and if the word of God and the instructions from the Apostle Paul. Man, isn't it enough just to say, I want to be like Jesus? 
that he did for me, what I couldn't do for myself, and I wanna be more like him. You think about the end of your life and, and how we measure the value of a life. Hopefully someday when your funeral takes place that there'll be people who will stand up and they'll share about the things that you did for them and the way that you changed their life and the, the legacy you left. And because the value of a life is always measured by how much of it was given away, right? Those are the people who stand up and talk. Those are the ones who share. They don't ever get up and go, oh yeah, man, my old man, he could party like anyone. Or yeah, I loved Bill, man. He slept all around town. The, the flesh, right? Oh yeah, loved her. She was so about herself. Loved to be around that, right? No one does that. They stand up and they go, man, they left part of their life with me. It changed me. I got home from work the other day and it was a long day and I had meetings all day. It was late. I hadn't eaten yet. I just wanted to eat. And I come into the kitchen and I'm getting something to eat. And Maddox goes, daddy, can we build a train? And my natural, right, the flesh was like, absolutely not. No, the last thing I want to do is to go put the train track together so Thomas can run around the track. That was the natural part of me. But the part of me that wants my son to stand up at the end of my days and go, my dad invested in me. My dad took the time to build the train set. Said, yeah, but it's not just about what I want, buddy. Maddox, give me a couple minutes. We'll go build your train set. And we built a train set and Thomas's battery was dead. It was an epic fail. Because <laughs> I was not changing the battery in Thomas. But the, the value of a life is measured by how much of it's given away. So practical application today. How do we do this? How? If you want to be fulfilled, you have to figure out a way to give your life away. You got to figure it out. You have to find a systematic, that's the key word there, systematic, just as you systematically get up to go to work, just as you systematically pay your bills every month, just as you systematically invest in relationships and do those things, systematically find a way to give your life away. You were designed by God to give your life away. You were made for more than you. The giver of life, the river of life, the giver of your life says, I designed you to give your life away too. And you will never find fulfillment until you pour yourself out for the benefit of someone else. And that's just the way it is because it's the way you were created. So today as the band comes and we begin to close out, I just want to have a pastor moment here with you, if I will. And I just want to say thank you. And I can't say thank you often enough to the people at Adventure Church who get this. To those of you sitting in this room who go, 
man, I get that. That when we started our church two years ago, there were 75 of us. And all 75 were systematically finding a way to give their life away at our church. That was our core. That was our parking team. That was our greeters. That was our check-in team. That was our kid workers. That was our host, our media team, our worship team, where they said, I'm committed to giving of my life away. They got this idea that life was more about them. Those guys standing out there waving at you on the way in today, don't get paid a dime. And the natural goes, that don't make no sense. Why? (laughs) It's snowing in 20 degrees. Get inside. But they go, no, I'm finding a way to give my life away. And they walk in. They get a hot chocolate or coffee and they fall out for the whole service. But they leave fulfilled. Because, man, I gave something away. It wasn't about me. It's not about me. Some of you are sitting in seats that someone else paid for. When we remodeled this building, someone else said, I'm going to give. I'm going to give so that others have a place to sit I'm going to serve in kids take a baby and give my life I'm going to pour my life into this kid and when that parent comes to pick them up at the end of service and they ask you how it went you don't tell them that it, the baby cried for the whole first 30 minutes you hand them over and you go it was great because you poured yourself into someone else so that they could sit in a service and be poured into. God pours into you so you can pour into others. The more you pour out, the more God pours back in. You see, the river wasn't meant just to flow to you. It was meant to flow through you. And so I'm thankful for a church of people, many of you, you get this. I'm raising my kids here, and I'm proud to raise my kids here. I'm proud to go over their memory verse with them. I'm proud to reinforce the values in the scripture that these teachers are pouring into them. So kid volunteers, I know it's hard. But man, you're pouring yourself. You're giving yourself away. You sow your way to happiness. Paul closes out this book of Galatians, this kind of theological book, but very practical stuff. And so he talks about the fruit of the spirit, the acts of the flesh and all these things. And then he he sums it up in chapter six, verse seven. He says, so don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. So he's saying, you have to sow your way to fulfillment. It's not just gonna happen. You gotta work for it. You have to invest. It says, and those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature, they'll harvest something, decay and death. But those who live to please the Spirit, those who remain in Christ, those who allow the river not just to flow to them, but through them, he says, they will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit because it's the river of life. It's the river of fulfillment. It's the only thing that satisfies your starving appetite for fulfillment. And he says, so this, so he encourages you. 
He says, I hope you got it. I wrote this whole book, guys. I hope you got it. So let me encourage you with this one final thought. So let's not get tired of doing what is good because you will get tired. You don't always see the harvest right away. He says, because you got to keep sowing. You got to keep serving. And he says, and at just the right time, you will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't quit. He says, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone. Whenever there's an opportunity, hold the door for someone, pay for someone's meal, intentional acts of kindness, we call it at our church, showing the world that they are loved. He says, whenever you get the opportunity to pour yourself out, do it. But then he goes even a little bit further. He says, but especially to those in the family of faith, especially to the one that you sit next to every week at church, especially to the one in your life group, take every chance you get to do good, to pour yourself out because you will reap what you sow. So sow service, pour yourself out. It's the quickest way to get filled up. So today as we close, if you would stand with me, I wanna encourage you to once again, those of you who are committed, re-up, man, it's a new year. I know you're tired, I know it's tough, I know it's not always easy. But re-up, say, God, you committed everything to me. You gave everything to me. So I give it back to you. We're gonna sing this song of surrender and that's what it comes back to again. It's just saying, in view, God, a view of what you've done. When I get a perspective, when I zoom out and I get the focus off of me and I get it on you and what you're doing in the world, God, it compels me to give back to you. You poured out your blood for me. So God, I pour myself out for you. As Paul said in Romans 12, one, he says, in view of his mercy, in view of what he did for you, offer your life as a living sacrifice of service to God. He said, that is real worship when you serve, when you pour yourself out. It's the path to fulfillment for you and me, but it's hard to do. And Paul says, deny your flesh, deny your natural inclinations, deny those impulses. What you feed will win. Feed your spirit, remain in me, remain in the local church, remain in service, and I will fill you up and I will use you to make a difference in the world. So today, can we commit that once again to the Lord just to say, God, all that I am is yours. Everything I have is for you.